Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota, featuring a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs-related personality. We are your hosts. I'm Len Caspert, alongside Jim Deshays. We make up the Cubs television tandem. J.D., how are you this week? I am doing great, Len. How are you? Good. Uh, We are knee-deep in playoff race baseball here in uh, mid-September. It's crazy how quickly the season has gone by. And uh, kind of a fun one this week. We're going to chat separately with two current Cubs and get their thoughts on this wacky 2020 season. Uh, utility man David Bodie and starting pitcher Alec Mills should be fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. Two guys with interesting backstories. It, it did not come easy for either one of these guys to get to the big leagues and establish themselves as big leaguers, but indeed they have done that. And now they are very important pieces of this Cubs team that's looking to uh, secure this NL Central title. Okay, so we will chat with David Bodie first, and then immediately following that conversation, we'll transition to the pitching side with Alec Mills. Enjoy. David, we picked a, a good day to talk to you uh, the night after you, you came up with a with a big two-run triple. Uh, that one had to feel really good. I mean, the, the opposite field line shot over the head of the right fielder doesn't happen that often, but uh, that, that was a big blow in the game. Absolutely. No, you, uh, you, you definitely are right there on a ball that you usually stay through it to right field is usually right at the guy. <laughs> and you're like, man, what a good swing. Only if I just missed it by, you know, 10 feet to the left. But uh, no, I was very fortunate to get over his head. Um, obviously the conditions last night were, were a little different with the wind blowing in and some misty type rain and stuff. So it was kind of fun to play in. Um, but yeah, just being able to get some, some knocks there and Javi uh, ended up doing the same thing there. And that, that was, that was a really good one. In terms of the weather conditions, you know, they say line drives play in every condition, but when you see the the flags blowing out or in, uh, it has to mess with your mind a little bit as a hitter, and you probably have to try to turn that off on occasion, right, and just stay with your plan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, as I was talking to Nico early on in the year, um, we were trying to say, hey, you know, I, he's like, oh, I kind of like it when it's out or I kind of like it when it's in. Um, for me personally, I think when the wind's blowing in, you try to do less, you know, instead of the wind blowing out and, you know, you're, Oh, I just get up in the air and it's a homer and then you start changing some things. But, you know, you always, like you said, it, it's there in the back of your mind. And, and the mo- the best thing you can do is just keep to your approach and just try to hit the ball hard. Um, not worry about how you hit it. Cause you really can't control a lot of that in the game uh, necessarily based on the pitcher and stuff. So you're just trying to try to find a barrel, um, and then hope for good things to happen. David, you said um, cold and rainy last night, kind of fun to play in. Um, is that your Colorado roots? I mean, you, you enjoy the colder weather? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the good thing was it wasn't quite April cold um, like last night, so it was more of like a, a chill. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, just that fall weather, um, you know, here coming down this home stretch of the season, I think you just, like, you enjoy that time, that, that fall baseball playoff baseball that just that feel uh is just really fun to play in um you know especially after a, after a hot summer you know you just like in, in a normal in a regular season just playing in hundreds and 
and humidity. Then you get into this cool kind of stretch here, and it's just really, it, I don't know, I, I enjoy it. Lenny and I were talking the other day. Um, it seems like we just got started, and we're about to end the regular season. Do, do you have the same same feeling? Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's uh, you know I I heard yesterday it was uh, going into yesterday eighteen games left, and I was like, wait a second, no way, like, no way, <laughs> like like no way did we one play already forty two games or whatever, and then no way did we uh, only have eighteen left. Like it just didn't it just didn't match up. Um, you know, just with your body or with your your uh, your feeling in the box or the games, it just yeah, it's just all completely different. You're used to at this point in the season having, uh, you know, what was it, 142, so it's like or 100 and yeah, 140 something like that. So it's just it's different, um, you know. But being able to uh, to continue how we've been playing um, to finish this home stretch and then and get into the playoffs there, so I think you know the sprint continues. Your your manager made a comment the other day that down the road people won't look back and remember their numbers they'll remember kind of how the team finished and what the experience overall was like and i think he's right but i but i'm guessing it's easier said than done because when you're in the middle of the grind when you have an 0 for 4 three strikeouts mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> you, you you tend not to look at the big picture you go man i wish i had a hit today um <laughs> how how tough is that in a short season to to not worry about putting up quote numbers in, that in a normal season would just compile naturally yeah no i think you uh I think you see with with us, we've done a really good job trying to communicate that. I know you guys can't be in the clubhouse and stuff and, and hear the, the conversations that we're having and stuff. Um, but I think we're doing a really good job as a, as a whole and as a group being like, hey, all that matters is winning, um, especially in this season. It's, it's always the case, but especially in this season when, when you're not going to have the numbers you're used to seeing up there. Um, even if you had an unbelievable year, you're not going to have 30 homers, 100 RBIs that, that guys are used to seeing up there. So being able to um, let that go and just go, hey, we're going to focus on winning and well, how can I put a quality at bat, get on the bus, all the things that we talked about in the clubhouse. And, and, and you can see it through, through the record, you know, that we, <clears throat> we're, we're still playing good baseball and, and the quote-unquote numbers don't look that great right now. And so it's like, well, you know, just wait till those do start looking good. You know, and so it's just like that idea of like being together, finding a way to win. Um, Finding, when, finding a way to win that day, you know, having a game plan against a pitcher, team, team approach, um, you know, all those things that we, we, we've talked about, I think it has shown and, and we've seen good results from it. As, as you look at your career, and it's interesting, you know, everybody's different, um, but you made your debut in your, in your seventh pro season. Uh, so it took a while for you to get here. Um, you had great success early, and then you kind of had to make those counter adjustments after the league adjusted to you. Um, and now you're, you're kind of a veteran guy. And I'm curious to know if a season like this, if this had happened in your rookie year or maybe the year before you got here and you got forced into a, a job because of the unique circumstances, how you would have handled it. Um, is it just based on individuals and just generally how their makeup is? Or is there an advantage to having a big league experience to go through this total change in routine and having to adjust on the fly? That's funny you ask because I've actually I've thought about that a couple of times being like, man, if this was my rookie season, what would it be like? Like, like I just got called up and, and I think the, the, the hard part for me, if it was, uh, you know, for any rookie who's, who's made their debut this year is, is one, not having any of the fans 
Um, I think that's a huge, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a different feel from the minor leagues to the big leagues when you go from um, AAA, which brings, which brings a good crowd uh, in general, but then it's not, it's not the third deck, 40,000 plus um, having their families here. I think that is kind of a challenge for anybody who's made their debut. And I, I think that's just a, a different, a different thing. And, and um, a lot of respect for those guys to, to have to go through that. Cause that's, that's not easy. You know, you want to be surrounded by your family and people you love. And then also you hear that crowd um, roar and it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but other than that, um, throughout the baseball game itself, it's been pretty similar. Um, you know, it's, it's as weird as it is, as much as I said a couple years ago, I didn't really notice the fans in my debut until about the eighth inning. It, once you get locked into the game, you, um, you know, you're, you're so locked in. It's, it's really basically the same thing. Obviously, there's points in the game where you go, man, I really wish we could have the fans right now you know, get on their feet in this in big spots or any, things like that, obviously. But like when you get into the game itself, it's, you know, that it's all, it's really the same game. Um, and, you know, it took a couple of weeks probably to get used to and summer camp helped with that. Um, just playing in, in, in Wrigley with no fans is, was quite an adjustment for sure. What about um, life on the road? I'm, I'm curious to know what that looks like for you guys. I know you're limited as to what you can do. Um, so are there, you know, are there team meals in the hotel? Or are you not seeing anybody until you get to the ballpark or hop on the bus to go to the ballpark? What, what, what's, what's the road life like these days? Yeah, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not fun, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, you literally just, yeah, you're sitting in your hotel room. Um, yeah, meals are, meals are downstairs in the, I don't know, whatever, ballrooms or, um, office spaces that you know the hotel has, and and uh, you go down, you you grab a grab a bag and some to go to go boxes of food. You go up to your room, you eat it. Um, you wait till the to the buses. You hop on the bus and and you go to the field. So I mean, it's pretty pretty uh, standard. Just get up, eat, and go to the field. Um, I try to break it up by reading some books or or watching some TV or something like that. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's definitely weird because that's uh, the road trips are usually a time for for guys to for us to get together as a team. Um, you know, kind of that whole like, hey, let's go get something to eat, go get a go get a dinner, go get a show dinner. That you know that doesn't happen um, this year, and so that's just uh, it's just really strange, um, definitely. So, you, so you guys aren't even like when you go to the ballroom. There's not spaced out tables where you sit and eat. It's like grabbing <clears> back <throat> to the room. There is spaced out tables, but again, it's like you're, it's one person per table at six feet apart. So it's uh, like, yeah. you're not even, you're, we're not eating together, you know? So it's like, yeah. you're still social distancing. Even if you were to, to eat down there, there's probably five or six tables that like a, a chair at a table. And so, I mean, you can definitely do that and be, we'll be socially distant, but it's just like. It feels you know, weird, right? So you might just weird. go back to the room and yeah, watch <laughs> right. a movie. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about some of your greatest hits. You've been, um, you've been, I, and I want to get into this too. Uh, the word is clutch that we use, but uh, the, the game ending grand slam, uh, man, a couple of huge hits against the Cardinals here a few weeks ago. Uh, but then your, your major league debut came in your hometown with uh, your friends and family uh, all around you in Denver. And so I'm curious where, some of the big hits rank and, and how you would separate the big league debut and, and that moment from, you know, the team stuff that, uh, that has occurred since, uh, do you separate those things? You kind of put them all in a big uh, bucket and just say, I'm, I'm thankful to 
you know, being able to make my debut at home and then all the things that have happened since. Yeah, I, I probably err more on the side of putting them all in a bucket and you know, those are some pretty cool moments and, and then kind of move on. Um, you know, I kind of, I like to, to, to reach back at some of those moments and just look at some swings or look at some, some feels, look at my, I don't know, I like to look at my uh, pre-pitch things and be like, oh, that's what I was thinking that, that part of the game or that part, you know, and, and try to, try to pinpoint some thoughts and some feels that I was using in that, in that, in those situations. Um, you know, I have my notes from pictures and stuff that I can go back to and what I, what I wrote against that guy that day and be like, Oh, that's where I had that thought. And that was a good thought. Maybe I should try that again today. Um, but other than that really is kind of how I, um, separate it because, you know, it's, it's again, this, this game that we do every single day, if you, you can't, you can't have a, uh, long memory in the sense of 0 for 4, 4 for 4, every day is a new day type thing, cliches it may be, but like, you know, you're, you're playing every single day and every game is as important as it is, especially in the 60 game season. You can't let the 0 for 4s dictate your day tomorrow and you can't let your 4 for 4 dictate your day tomorrow. Um, it's a different picture that day. Uh, conditions are going to be different that day. You know, we had the game of the Cardinals where the one day it was blowing dead out and the next day it was blowing dead in. So it's just like, for me, the best way I do is compartmentalize it and, and throw it all in the bucket, move on, and uh, get, in, get in after it. And then usually throughout the off season uh, is when I'll start, you know, having some things like that where it just kind of pops into my head. Oh, that was pretty cool. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, you know, I've paid you this compliment before. You, you have a good ability to not let – uh, a bad play or a bad day affect the next day. And that, that's really hard to do. And in terms of the word clutch, JD and I have talked about it a lot. I don't like that word for this reason. And it's, it's, I, I guess it's just more about the language you use. But when I say a guy's clutch, it, to me, it, it says, well, then when the game's not that big, he's not as good or doesn't care. And that's not it. I just think clutch means good. And they talk about anti-choke. And I think, the idea is that in the big moment, you don't let it get to you and you're kind of the same hitter, the same player, the same guy in all moments, which allows you to maybe slow down the big moment. Is that kind of how you view it that, you know, yeah, it's great to hit a pinch hit grand slam to win the game, but like you're just trying to win the at bat, right? You're, you're not trying to be a hero. You're just trying to do your job and you kind of attack every day that way. Yeah. And I think that starts in your cage work. Um, I think it starts from the very beginning of your work um, for anybody, any player that's listening or, or young guy, uh, like it, it, I practiced since I was in rookie ball, um, rookie ball off season type stuff. Like I'd be hitting BP with my brother. My last swing ever of every single round was bases loaded, nobody out down three and then it'd be like okay now then then i started switching i'm like well it's not always going to be that case i'm like all right okay, there's a man on third two outs got to get a base hit you know sack fly doesn't work here you know or and we're down and it's tied or you have man on man on second and third and we're down one it's like okay now you know sack fly does work but also let's take a base hit you know so it's like playing those games and you try to like create environments and and, and mentalities and then obviously it, can, it grows the more you do something the better you're going to get at it and the more you you figure out how to add pressure or you put, you know, all, all like, Hey, like to my brother, Hey, dinner's on me. If I don't get this done or something like that, you, you start <laughs> playing games, you, you just kind of like make this, 
this stuff up like in the cage so that when you do start getting into the game situations and it, it matters in BP on the field and you know, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a two strike round or I'm gonna do a, hey, I gotta have man on third, one, less than two outs round, no matter what, like the entire, all five swings. And it's like, how, are you, how can you do it lead different ways? You know, you're not gonna get the same pitch from a BP, BP thrower either. So it's like, throwing it down and away, are you going to get that ball in the air or are you going to be able to get that ball up the middle or, you know, things like that. So I think the, to be able to, like you said, mentally put yourself in those positions before it, before you were put in that position, the more chance you have of success. And I think just like being able to slow that moment down, be able to, to consciously take your breath and to not let the moment get too big for you or to your mind starts racing when that happens and you start like losing control of, of your thoughts and you're in the box when you want to do for your at bat. And again, a lot of things you can't control once you put the ball in place. So all you can do is like, I'm going to get a good pitch and, and hit it hard. So do you have a, um, a, a mental cue or something you do if you feel like the moment's starting to, to get too big where you'll kind of step out of the box? Is there like a trigger mm -hmm. that you use? Yeah, I use, uh, there's two of them or three. Um, one, I step out. Uh, and I look at the logo of my bat. Uh, it's just an, it's something that's always there. Um, for for I learned early on, like pick something that's always there. Like don't like if you're in a stadium and you pick like uh, the dugout. Well, the dugouts change, or you're in the wrong. Like don't look. You know, some people say foul pole. Some people say you know your bat, your logo. So for me, it's the logo. Um, and as soon as I do that, it triggers me to take a big inhale. Um, you can see uh, if you watch videos like. You'll just see me big take it, big inhale, and then I'll kind of like move my chest a little bit, like my uh, my jersey up. And I think that just kind of just says, hey, relax. You know, so those are my three like kind of keys that just go look at my logo, take a deep breath, and then I uh, I kind of move my, my shirt up on my chest. And then it's like, okay, here we go, right back into it. I'm going to use that the next time I'm on a par three. I like that idea. So how much, I mean, obviously you're a very thoughtful player. How much of that um, did you develop through the minor leagues? Uh, as a kid growing up, your dad was a high school coach, so you've been exposed to the game for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it feels to me like every player has kind of an origin story um, where they got introduced to the game, uh, whether it's a father, a brother, a grandfather, a mom, you know, whatever. What, what, what's kind of the David Bodie baseball origin story? Yeah, no, that's like, that's a great question. I, uh, like you said, my dad's been a coach for 40 years. Um, he's, he's coached some really good ball players. Uh, and, and just growing up, um, for him and I always had this connection and, um, I would, no matter how I, I remember being like five years old and, and going, to the baseball games and then, you know, everybody would leave and I'd be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help drag the field and I'm going to help, uh, you know, drag the field, line the field, cut the grass, like all those things. I, I just love staying behind and just being on the baseball field with, with him and, and, and doing, doing all those things. Um, anytime I had school off, I'm like, I'm going to the baseball field with that. I'm going to go watch the high school play and, and take ground balls and, and do all the things with the high schoolers probably when I was like six or seven. Um, you know, putting sod in the grass, doing, we, we, I mean, I worked on that, on the high school field for as many hours as, as any, any kid could uh, as possible outside of school. Um, but then, yeah, just kind of, you just develop that love for the game. 
um, first, I think is the, is the most important thing for, for, for kids these days is just develop a love for the game and less worrying about like mechanics or, or how, whatever, just, just play for fun, play for the love. And then those things, those things do come like those, those things you learn about. And, and I remember my dad after a game and I think it was freshman year of high school, I, I didn't play very well. And, and he, he sits down in the car and he goes, well, do you want me to, to, to talk you through today's game or you just want to just play for fun and just, and just move on. And I was like, you know, I, I really respected that from him. He wasn't going to like force his, his knowledge or his, um, his passion of the game onto me. If he, because if you wanted to become a better player and you wanted me to help you become a better player, then I'm here. But if not, then I'll be there and I'll just cheer you on and I'll, I'll just, I'll be there for when you need me. And, and that's it. And I was like, you know, I really respected that. I said, no, like, I want to be the best player I can be. So, you know, like, let's, let's, let's hash this thing out. And so then on the way home, we talked about all the things I did right and all the things I did wrong and things I could do better. And I think that was kind of like the first moment where, you know, we were like, all right, like you have the freedom to, to coach me and to coach me the way that, you know, to make me a better player. And then I'll, I also can be coachable and, and listen to it and, and not be, not be a, a teenage jerk and, and actually be, 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 be open to uh, how he, how he, how he knew the game more than I did and being able to, to be, be open to that. And I think uh, I grew a lot in that time and, and I still lean on, on things that he says to me when I, I'm in the box. I can just hear my dad in my ear just saying, don't just swing, hit. Don't just hit, hit hard. You know, like that's something he's told me since I was five. He's like, don't just swing, hit. Don't just hit, hit it hard. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Well, that's why your hitting coach uh, meshes with you well, Anthony Iposi, right? The key to hitting yeah. is hitting. That's right. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, the game can be uh, as difficult or as simple, I guess, as, as you want to make it. Uh, let's talk a little defense here. Uh, you're the uh, star of the barehanded play, and you've been fortunate here these last couple of years in working with Brian Butterfield and now Andy Green. And these are two of the best in the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, they're things that I love about those two, especially, is their work ethic their passion um you know you love to to be around people who love what they do um both guys absolutely love what they do they love being at the field they love working hard they love getting better and you just want to be a part of that um both very knowledgeable in in how they go about their business um, yeah it's just it's just really fun to work when you have guys coaches that invest in you personally invest in you as a baseball player, invest in you as a family man, all those things. So it's just, you just really enjoy being at the field. And I think that's just kind of the, the first start of it is just being able to, to enjoy what you do. Um, and then other people want to be around that. And so it's, they enjoy what they do and you want to be, you want to be a part of it. And then they're also really good at making you better. So it even makes us just as a little cherry on top. So <laughs> So, so just for the for younger players that might be listening, um, on a typical day, how many ground balls would you take? Less now than it used to be. Um, but, like, coming to the minor leagues, I would take them at every single position, every single day, um, probably 10 to 20 at each position, um, until you just feel comfortable. 
Um, it's, it's, a, it's a long haul. It's, a, it's an everyday thing. You got to start picking hops and picking, you know, seeing bounces and, and different speeds and, and trying to make adjustments off of that. But nowadays I probably take probably 50 to 60 a day um, from on my knees, one hand drills to um, reaction drills to short hop drills to um, read fungos where uh, he'll hit as hard as he can fungos at third base um, with somebody flipping to him. And then I'll take probably 10 to 20 in BP to where I throw into first and throw into second. You probably hear my dog barking in the background. I think the mailman is here. That's what's fun about doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple more questions here for David. Thank you for your time. And uh, I know it's, uh, it's hard to carve time out during, uh, during the season. But, um, okay, you've been in the league for a bit now. And <laughs> so you don't have to name names, but – do you do you do you point out a thing or two to a teammate? Do, do do they need to ask if you see something that you know not a negative necessarily, but just maybe mm-hmm. a tip here or two? Uh, I'm sure you are open to hearing ideas from from them as well. If if they see something or they say, hey, they'll think about this next time. Uh, how how do you approach that? Yeah, um, we've had a. There's been a few times where. You know, if we're especially a lot of a lot of those conversations happen for 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 me personally is when you got us four or five guys on the bench that are getting ready to to pinch hit in the fifth or sixth inning, and we're hitting off the fuzz machine or the curveball machine or something like that, and and it's just us, right? It's all just the players. There's no <clears throat> staff really. You know, we have we have PP or or font in there that's uh that's feeding the machine, but like. It's just the players in the back, and we're like, "Hey, man, like, what? Do you, like, why am I rolling over?" And they're like, "Oh, well, Harry, when I've seen you, when I've seen you right, you're, you're landing on time, or you're starting early, or this." And I think a lot of those things happen for me personally, or in that setting, um, where we're, you know, as a as as a group, we're, we I see everybody swing every day. You know, we see everybody swing every day. We know when they're right. We know when they're wrong. Like when they're off or or something like that. And you're able to be like, you, you see it so many times that you're able to just, Hey, like when I see you drive the ball, like you're doing this, do you, do you, did you know that? And then they're like, Oh, sweet. Yeah, I do. But I'm not doing that right now. How do I do that? And so then you just kind of do that. And I, I like it when, when, when players, other players, other teammates come up to me and be like, Hey man, like, why did you, why did you change this? And I go, Oh, I had no idea I did. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but that's where a fresh set of eyes can do. And, and, and the hitting coaches are unbelievable at doing that too. So it happens less, but, but yeah, just anytime, you know, we're in this thing together, you know, we're, we're grinding out together. We're, we're battling together. So anytime you have a teammate come up and say, Hey man, like, I really like it when you do this or when you prepare like this, like, why do you do that? And then you just conversations just go, um, or like, Hey, did you change this on purpose? And like, no, I didn't like, well, this looks completely different. That might be something why you're feeling it. And so like, they just kind of, it's fun to, it's fun to have. So it, it does happen. That's great. Um, I only have one more for you. Uh, JD, if you have anything uh, that, that I do, I, I, I can't, I, go ahead. I can't let David go without, uh, I want to hear you, know, you tell the dread, <laughs> the day you were drafted story. <laughs> oh. This is great. All right. Yeah. yeah. Whew, how much time we got? Um, <laughs> we got all the time in the world. No, so we, uh, it was what, 2012, 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it was uh, after my junior college, uh, I, I, I went to a, a D1, uh, transferred out of the D1 after the fall semester. Um, went to a junior college in Kansas. We played really well. We went to the college, junior college world series, um, made a pretty good run at it. I think we got fourth or fifth. Um, and then, yeah, I had a, uh, mission trip planned with my brother in the church uh, that we're going to and, and my wife, girlfriend now at the time, then at the time, um, we were going to Africa, um, for a mission trip, for a term mission trip. And it's been in the works for, you know, probably 12 to 14 months. Um, we actually had a layover in Chicago, uh, that got delayed and we were supposed to go to London first and, and then go to Nairobi, Kenya. And, um, that's when the draft had just started. That was the first round. I remember being in the airport and, and a buddy of mine, Pierce Johnson was drafted by the Cubs. Um, we went to high school together and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like whatever, like, and, and texted him. And, and that was the first day of the draft. We were in Chicago and then we got to, to London for a couple hours. Um, and then we went to, to Kenya. And by the way, we, uh, on the way to Kenya, um, there was a plane that was landing before us that crashed on the runway or ran off the runway. And we got diverted to a place called Mombasa and we landed there in before the sun rose and it was basically just an airport with a ceiling and uh concrete floors with some chairs there was no there's no walls on on the airport you can see out through the through the airport and in, into the african wilderness the marsh kind of land and some rivers and stuff and we were there for the entire day um just waiting for for the the plane to be cleaned up on the on the runway in Nairobi and other planes were coming in and we didn't have any wi-fi or cell service or any sort of things to like let the, our families know back home that hey we were all right like we just got diverted like i know our, our plane says we're here we're fine whatever um we basically stayed there the the entire day we saw the sunrise and the sunset and then um later that night <clears throat> somebody then more planes had come in too at the at the time that were traveling to Nairobi, and at that point, um, there was somebody there that had a hotspot that we were able to connect to, uh, to to reach home, send an email, and say, "Hey, like we're all safe. Like we're just waiting on the on the flight to get out back to Nairobi." And my brother, um, the same brother who was throwing the VP and such, um, was was like, "Hey, well, today's the the last day of the draft. Like, let's go see." And, at this point, I, I knew a couple of scouts had, you know, had, had seen me. Um, Rick Schrader was the Cub Scout who had come a couple of times. And there was two guys, Matt Strom, who's with the Padres now, was one of my teammates, and Adam Giacalone, um, who also got drafted that year. You know, we had some studs that were – I was very beneficiary of um, that scouts were there to see them, and they ended up seeing me. So I knew there were a couple of scouts that were there, but I was new to the scene. You know, I, was, I wasn't draft eligible at the D1, but now that I transferred to the junior college, I was. So it wasn't really expecting anything to happen. Um, they even said, Hey, like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not in that discussion room. I'm just the scout. I just present them the information. So I can't promise you anything, but you know, just, just be aware of it. And, and so I, and there was no like, Oh, I can't wait for the draft this year. Cause I know I'm going to get drafted. It was just, my brother was got on the website on the, on MLB and he's like, Hey, let's check the draft. Let's see if anything happened. 
And uh, he was like, hey, looks, 18th round, congratulations, Chicago Cubs. And I was like, what? Um, so it was, it, was, it was a cool moment. It's something uh, you never forget. Like, no phone call, no, not, like, we were in the halfway across the world in an airport and, and just like, all right, let's try to get out of here and, and, and get, get to where we're supposed to be so we can go, go finish his mission and uh, put on a sports camp for some kids and help the church out there in, in, uh, in Kenya. And it was, it was a wonderful time and, and really, really uplifting and, and learned a lot. So. That's quite yeah, a story. Just, just a great story. <laughs> hanging out in that, that airport with no walls and the <laughs> brother jumps on the hotspot. Hey, look at this. That's, <laughs> look so at this. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. That is very cool. All right. So uh, light lifting to, to finish. Uh, favorite all-time player? I'm guessing it's a Rocky. It's probably Todd Helton. Uh, and then who's the guy today you watch where you're just, your jaw drops when you see, when you oh, see him man. play? But it can't, it can't be on your team. It's got to be somebody on another team. <laughs> So favorite okay. all-time player, and then uh, a guy on another team you really, really respect that you love watching. Favorite all-time player. Man, I don't know if I can do just one. There's so many that I could literally just rattle off. Um, any, any Rocky, like you said, Larry Walker, Todd Helen, Troy Tulowitzki, um, Galarraga, all those guys. Actually, low-key, one of my favorites was Brad Hoff. I was talking about this yesterday. One of the best swings – I could I could watch all day was Brad Hop um, with the Rockies. Obviously, I um, so any of those guys were 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 one of those. Um, right now, there's so many electric players. It's so much fun to watch. Um, if I had to narrow it down, well, and this year's weird because you don't get to see the whole league. Yeah. But I yeah I know yeah you know yeah. it's well Tatis is pretty good. See, he reminds me of Javi. I can't take my eyes off him. I mean, that's definitely the first name that kind of pops in your head is Fernando Tatis. Like that guy just does things that you're just like, like hobby that you're just not used to seeing. Right. Um, you got a Kuna that does things. That's incredible. You have obviously Mike Trout, who is one of the best players of all time. Um, Bryce Harper does things that hits balls further than you can ever imagine. Arenado does things at third base that he makes look easy that I go, holy cow, that's a ridiculously hard play um, that he made it look like he's not even trying. Um, there's just athletes all over the place and it's just fun to be a part of. And it's fun to play against, um, learn against, learn from, and just watch and, and try to glean something from. Uh, we've got to add a name here because we can't forget and he'll be upset if we don't mention him. Matt Holiday, I know is another favorite of yours. Great, great guy. Oh too. my word. One of the best, <laughs> one of the best. Still the best slide in Colorado Rockies history. <laughs> <laughs> David, thanks for the time. Good luck down the stretch. We miss being in the clubhouse with you, but we enjoy watching you do what you do. I appreciate it. Thanks, Len, JD. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks. Dear adventurers, enjoy a summer of excitement with Toyota. Keep it wild in the rugged forerunner. Take charge in the 2020 Camry with available all-wheel drive. Explore more and go farther in the stylish RAV4 or fuel-efficient RAV4 Hybrid. Or cruise with your crew in the roomy Highlander Hybrid with electric on-demand all-wheel drive. Soak it up, Toyota. Right now, get 1.9% APR for 60 months on a new 2020 RAV4 or RAV4 Hybrid. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com to learn more.
Well, we had a great chat with David Bodie, and we will now turn to the pitching side of things. Alec Mills is with us, and we record a day after he beat the Cincinnati Reds on a, a very weird weather night at Wrigley Field. We'll get into that in a second. Alec, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. It is our pleasure, and uh, you had uh, quite an outing on uh, Tuesday night, six innings, no runs, four hits. Uh, those are nights most pitchers really enjoy working at Wrigley Field. Um, that's about as hard as I've seen the wind blow in consistently for three hours in a long, long time. Did you change your approach at all? Maybe try not to be too fine knowing that contact would be rewarded for a pitcher, especially balls in the air? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, especially when I uh, got behind hitters, uh, yeah, I think the mindset changed to, yeah, I mean, here you go, see how far you can hit it. Uh, like you said, the the wind was was howling pretty good last night. There was a couple times on the mound where uh almost had to step off, kind of blew me forward a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think changed it a little bit, uh, obviously for the better if you're a pitcher, so I'll take it. Yeah, certainly, Alec, in the way it influences the ball. But, but, but wind in any extreme can be an issue for a pitcher, whether it's, you know, uh, in your face, obviously, or or even when it's behind you, I, I always found them. You know, wind could be really disconcerting. Do you have any? Did you have any issues with the wind, even though it was a favorable wind for a pitcher? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I had any issues. Um, you know, even though it was actually misting a little bit, pretty much for I would say three quarters of the night, uh, it was you know very very light, so really nothing to uh, affect anything. Uh, in, in that matter. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think the wind was, I didn't think the wind was, uh, was too effective uh, on me. So. So I want to talk about your repertoire a little bit. Um, we often speak of, of your curveball and, and you know, your breaking balls and off speed, but you've got a really good sinking fastball. And there have been moments during starts where you kind of get the feel for it and you'll throw 10, 12, 15, uh, in a row. Um, they all often say your fastball is your most important pitch. How do you feel about where your your two seamer is right now, and d- does it feel like it comes and goes, or is that a pitch that generally you feel pretty locked in with? Uh, I'd like to say generally I feel uh, pretty locked in with it. Uh, I think the few starts previous, a um, couple of mechanical things uh, kind of kept it from being as good as it can be, uh, you know. But I think we we ironed some things out in between the last last few starts. And uh, last night I thought I had it back to where, uh, you know, I, I think it should be it all the time. And uh, so I was able to get some outs uh, with it, especially uh, behind on the count. A couple big ground balls, a couple, uh, you know, a big double play there to end the inning was, was or uh, to start the inning was huge for me. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's something I, I feel like I always have. Um, and I think it's something that's helped me have success so far in my career. How did you develop your repertoire and did you have all the pitches when you were in high school or college? And, you know, maybe if there's one specific pitch that somebody taught you the grip or anything like that? Uh, no, in high school, I really just threw uh, fastball and curveball. I mean, I think I may have messed around with some sort of changeup, but it wasn't anything uh, special. Uh, probably didn't have the deception that it needed. And then uh, slider was something that I kind of learned in college. Uh, pitching coaches, you know, had had helped me along the way, um, just kind of tinkered with it. And then within the last few years, I would say, uh, really has become a pitch that I can lean on. Uh, you know, and it's actually a funny story with my changeup. Uh, you know, always threw it, had it in pro ball, uh, but then got Tommy John in 2013, I believe. Uh, and 
you know, I think the process is, you know, four or five months without throwing, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and then another three or four until you're off the mound at all. Um, but changeup was one of the things, I guess, I don't know how or, or what happened, but just kind of was a better pitch for me after Tommy John. Uh, I don't know if mentally, you know, I just had a better mindset with it or something clicked when I wasn't throwing. I don't know. But for some reason, it became a better pitch for me after Tommy John. So I would say that's one silver lining that I will I will take out of that surgery that it, uh, was good for me. How about the slow curveball? And you know, I said slow, <laughs> slow curveball. Yeah, yeah, I guess I forgot about that. Uh, so that was something, uh, you know, coming up, I always, you know, curveball and slider for me were always – kind of similar pitches they always kind of morphed into each other you know some starts they'd be different and then some starts they'd be pretty much the same thing uh so i guess that was a year and a half ago maybe uh just i i don't even really remember whose idea or how it came about just kind of started throwing a slower one in some bullpens um and, and noticed i still had you know a pretty good ability to throw it for a strike um and you know one of those things just threw it in a couple bullpens and then I think I was in a game in AAA and was just like, hey, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Uh, and I think I threw it five, six, seven times. Got a couple swings and misses and some bad contact. Uh, and then just something I've kind of ran with. Uh, I think it's something I'm still tinkering with. I don't know quite if I have uh, the the uh, the confidence to throw it for a strike at all times like I do with other pitches. Uh, but I'm getting there, and it's it's all a work in progress. So, uh, you know, hopefully it gets better every day. We we often talk about the similarities between you and Kyle Hendricks. Uh, I'm curious how often you guys do talk shop and talk about shapes of pitches and just general approach, uh, you know, with your changeup and, and all the weapons you guys both have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a guy that I can lean on. Uh, you know, I think, especially, you know, the last few I had struggled. And I, you know, I definitely, I think I was in his pocket a little more than I usually am. You know, asked him some things about changeup. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, game plans versus certain teams, his mindset going in, uh, just stuff like that. I think, um, you know, with his success he's had and and how he pitches, I think it's something that I can definitely, uh, you know, take notes on and and really, you know, take it to heart on, on how he attacks and, and how he sees swings, how he sees hitters. Uh, it's just stuff like that, I think, that will make me a better pitcher. Um, you know, obviously I don't have the uh, – you know, the big time swing and miss stuff, you know, the hard fastball that I can just, you know, throw whenever I want and get away with it. Uh, but obviously seeing him have success is a big, big reason for the confidence I have to pitch. Uh, so I think just having him as a resource is huge for me. I think, uh, you know, one of those one of those guys that, that uh, you know, is always super nice and always willing to talk and always willing to answer my questions. So uh, I'm always for, forever thankful for that. I'm I'm curious about velocity because that's that's a word we hear so much now and and you know you can you can get it into the you know 92 93 range when you want but velocity is not always your friend right and I think Kyle I've noticed you know when he throws 88 89 he is generally no more effective than when his fastball is 86 87 so um you know, you, you you are not a max effort guy. You, you seem to have very sound, easy, fluid mechanics. But how important is velocity to you when you feel like you need it? Or is it simply, you know, arm slot and making sure that when you throw a fastball in a spot where a guy might be expecting a changeup, that uh, it's got enough zip on it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, velocity is, all, is obviously very important in today's game. I think, it, you know, it's just an easy 
easy way to get outs. I mean, I think if you have it, you're going to have a better chance of getting outs. Uh, but at the same time, I think, I guess I should say the more important thing I would say is, I guess the word is perceived velocity. I think um, if, if you ever play catch with Kyle, I mean, I think you said he throws, I mean, 87, 88, but man, it seems a lot harder than that. Um, it's just one of those, those, you know, fastballs that just gets on you. And I think you guys can see that when, when guys take swings on his fastball sometimes, I mean, it's by him before they even swing. And, you know, I think, you know, people can get confused with that and, you know, oh, how is he late? You know, all this, but it's just a matter, you know, Kyle keeps guys off balance very well. Um, obviously that's something that, uh, that I try to do every day, uh, that I'm on the mound and, uh, you know, I'm getting better, but, uh, I think for me, when I try to reach back and get some velocity, uh, a lot of times it really doesn't help mechanically for me. Uh, so I would say, you know, I don't, I don't ever throw at a hundred percent probably ever in a game. So, it's just something that, uh, you know, I've figured out over the years that's made me better. So I'm going to roll with it. So you, you mentioned earlier, like working in between starts in the bullpen and with the technology that's available now, uh, I have yet, I have not really seen it with my eyes yet. So I'm, I'm really um, intrigued by it. So you go down there and you talk about spin rate, spin efficiency, uh, these, these slow motion cameras. I mean, how, how intricate is the work between starts? Are we talking about moving your hand on the ball or your arm slot, like fractions of inches? I mean, what, what kind of adjustments are being made down there? Uh, I mean, yeah, that can definitely happen. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we're so used to doing things, you know, we've done them for so long and done them our way for so long. I think, like you said, little minute adjustments in an arm slot and stuff like that can feel like really big things when we're, when we're on the mound and pitching. I think, uh, you know, I, weird weird feelings are always not bad feelings when it comes to, to pitching and, and changing things up. Uh, you know, like I said, you get into bad habits and things feel different, but then they start to feel normal. So when you change things, they may feel weird. And then three, four starts down the road, they start to feel normal again. Uh, but I think for me, obviously spin rates and stuff like that are helpful. But uh, I think for me, the big thing I like to look at is video and then the slow motion camera. I think uh, the slow motion camera is something that, uh, you know, you can see, like you said, where your hand is at release on the ball, you know, change-ups, curveballs, finger placement, you know, how it's coming out of your hand, the spin out of your hand. I think for me, those are all things that, uh, you know, are, are helpful and deception to the hitter, which, which is how I'm going to get out. You know, we mentioned Kyle Hendricks, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you, Darvish, in the year he's having. Uh, J.D. pitched in a rotation that included Nolan Ryan, and uh, J.D. often speaks of being a fan uh, every time Nolan pitched. Uh, I'm curious, uh, every time you takes the ball, uh, you know, kind of how you feel about watching him and, and learning from him, too. I mean, he's got every pitch in the book. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch him pitch, especially right now. I mean, he's always been that way, but right now he's on a roll and he's confident, um, you know, and it's, I think like he said, I'm a fan. I mean, obviously we can learn from everybody. I think, you know, the thing I can take from him right now is he's just, he's pitching with confidence and he's attacking hitters. I mean, I think he's not walking people, uh, so he's not giving free passes. And then with his stuff and, and you know, his ability to, to locate it, I mean, I think, you're seeing why everything's coming together and, and he's really just pitching well and he's fun to watch. I want to turn back the clock a little bit, if I can, Alec. Uh, University of Tennessee Martin, a uh, story I read said you, you walked on uh, to the baseball team there. So when you first went to school, your intention was not to play baseball. Is that is that true? <laughs> That's correct. So I actually uh, 
Tennessee Martin is about two hours from where I grew up and where I still live. Um, so it was just something far enough away that I didn't live at home, but then close enough that I could come home if I needed to. Uh, but they had a good engineering program there. And that was, uh, that was actually what I wanted to do coming out of high school and what I wanted to do growing up. Uh, so I actually went there for engineering. Uh, yeah. And then just, I think I passed the baseball field a couple of times, saw some guys out there. Uh, you know, I just, I guess got the itch and just wanted to see, you know, if I had what it takes. So I called the coach and yeah, said, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right in time. We got a, we got a walk on tryout in a couple of days. So I just showed up, uh, I think threw off the mound and then, uh, just one of those things where they just, Hey, you know, keep coming to practices. We, you know, we'll, we'll see, we want to see you throw one more time. And then it was actually, they never really told me I made the team. It was kind of just, they never told me to stop coming to practice. And then eventually I kind of figured out that I was on the team. So that was, that's a pretty funny tidbit to that story. So that's amazing. So like when you were in high school, scouts weren't on you, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz or. Um, you know, it was one of those things I didn't do, you know, the showcases. I didn't play a lot of travel ball. I, I, I'd rather play golf in the summer when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was one of those things, I guess I probably didn't put my name out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also didn't have, you know, the stuff that attracted a lot of scouts. I mean, obviously I, I'm, I'm very similar to what I, what I am now. I didn't walk a lot of people, uh, you know, tried to locate things well, uh, and then, just one of those things where I didn't have any division one offers. I think I may have had a couple uh, of other schools that showed interest, uh, but it was just, I, I think in my head, I just, you know, Hey, let's, I gave it my all. Let's, let's see what I can do in the engineering field. Let's see, let's see how I can do in this career. Uh, and then thankfully uh, had second thoughts about that and uh, decided to give it another run. So uh, I'll take it. JD, that's very baseball-y, isn't it? That, you just are there and all of a sudden you're there and, and they, they don't tell you you're on the team. They just tell you if you're not on the team, yeah, yeah. just keep, keep your head down and keep plowing away. And, and hopefully nobody gives you any bad news, but, but I, I mean, clearly with your resume, it couldn't have taken long for you to become like the, the ace of the staff there. I mean, so I, I, I'm calling out all the coaches in that region back in the day for, 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 for kind of missing on you in high school. But um, yeah, I, I love that story. And the other one, um, I, I think it's in the Cubs media guide. Um, I know I saw it somewhere. I said you were the uh, athlete of the year all four years you were in high school. Is that, is that true? <laughs> That's remarkable. Yeah, that gets brought up a lot. I don't know. Uh, somebody got that and then they ran with it. But uh, yeah, I had it all four years uh, in high school. Um, you know, I played baseball, basketball, and golf. Uh, I think, I believe if I'm right, the, the, that, uh, that award was given like, uh, one per class. So I got it my freshman year for all the freshmen. And then obviously oh, okay. going up. it wasn't for the whole school. I don't believe. Okay. Still um, impressive. But no, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I may not look like an athlete out there, but I think I can, uh, I can do a lot of things well. And I, I think I can play a lot of other sports pretty well. So, uh, obviously something that I'm proud of. What was your hoop game like? Were you a scorer? What was? Your- uh, you know, I was about 125 pounds soaking wet in high school. So oh, no I really, kidding! <laughs> I, I just sat in the corner and uh, shot threes. I was probably one of the taller guys on the team, but I never went inside. So uh, probably could have been better at that. But uh, you know, I, I was always able to shoot, so that's just kind of what I did. It's interesting, Alec. You've made 27 uh, major league appearances, 14 starts, and and JD and I. Every time you pitch. I think I say it. Uh, I, I just marvel at at those numbers because 
you carry yourself in in the totally right way, like you've been here for a long time. And I think it speaks to your mound presence and your poise. Uh, where does that come from? I mean, I, I guess just the experiences you've talked about, you know, being a walk-on and kind of being underplayed, uh, you know, outside of, uh, you know, people who know you well. Uh, but where, do, where does that poise come from? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, I think easy answer, I feel like my parents have always been kind of more of a calm, uh, you know, stoic, just kind of same thing everyday presence. And I think it's something I learned from them. Uh, but as far as baseball, I, I guess it's just one thing that I thought I've always had an edge on. I mean, I think competitiveness is, is something that, uh, that I, I take very seriously. And I think it's something that makes me a good pitcher. I mean, especially last night when I needed to get back, you know, into pitching how I know how to pitch and, and you know, kind of get off the schneid of bad starts. I think it was a good night for me with the wind blowing in to just say, Hey, here you go. Like, this is what I got. Hit it, hit it, what hit it the way you can. I mean, I think, uh, it's just something that, that I think makes me better and, and gives me an edge. And I think obviously you see what Kyle does and how good he is at that. And I think that's what makes him good too. So another reason to, uh, you know, kind of watch and learn from him, but it's somebody who's done it for a while and then will continue to do it for a while. Yeah. We talked to Craig Breslow last week about, you know, what athleticism is and kind of, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination, spatial recognition, all those things. And I, th- I think competitiveness and poise, J.D., you can chime in here. Uh, that That's a big part of it, too. And I think what we, you and I see from the booth when we watch Alec pitch is just that stick-to-itiveness, and he doesn't seem to ever get rattled. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask Alec, because we, we asked, we asked uh, uh, David earlier when we were talking hitting, what kind of a like a mental cue or trigger he would use if he felt like the game was speeding up on him. And he said, you know, he steps out of the box, he looks at the logo on the, on the bat. And and I'm curious, Alec, as a pitcher, if when things start to go sideways out there for you, do do you have any specific, you know, mental cues or things that you do to try to rein things in? Uh, You know, I think just like he said, I think, you know, stepping off the mound and, and kind of taking a big deep breath in and, and you know, exhaling and, and just taking a moment to, to to get back into your focus. And, and, and like you said, just, you know, slow things down. I think this game, it's very easy to speed yourself up and, and things can really get going fast on you. So I think anytime you, you really start to feel that coming, I think a good step off and deep breath, uh, something very similar to what he said is, is huge. I mean, anytime you can slow it down for yourself, I mean, at the end of the day, Nothing happens until I throw the ball. So, uh, you know, I, I can slow it down as much as I want. So the cards that pitchers are carrying in their back pockets these days with what I assume are signed sequences, um, yeah. are there also scouting reports or scribble a little motto on the bottom of that card too? Like, uh, I'm Alec and I'm the king of the world? Or <laughs> I should. That would be cool. <laughs> um, no, I don't actually write anything on there. Um, and no scouting reports for me. I think it's something that uh, I study enough before the game that I don't think I need to have any sort of card. Um, and then obviously I have the resources in the dugout, uh, you know, pitching coaches and, and Borzello and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, just just the science for me. Last big topic, 2020. Uh, we'll get into kind of the unique nature of this season here in a second. But just the idea that you've been in the rotation consistently since essentially day one. Um, 
you know, your role prior to this was to kind of be the Swiss Army knife. You could make a start, pitch a big inning in relief. Uh, do you like the idea of kind of knowing exactly when you're going to pitch as a starter? Uh, you know, I've always been a starter, so I've gotten used to that. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I'll do whatever I say it all the time. And I think it's kind of a cliche answer, but I mean, I, I just want to pitch. I mean, if it comes down to, you know, me having to be ready every day or throwing, you know, every day, every other day, I'm completely fine with that. Um, I think, I think, you know, I have the ability to be a starter and I think some guys don't have that. So I think it's something that, uh, would maybe help me stick around for a little longer in the rotation or, or, you know, even as a long man in the bullpen. Uh, but I, you know, I'll do whatever they, they want me to. That's for sure. You enjoyed uh, facing the Royals, didn't you? <laughs> I could tell by your comments after that game. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, you know, I think I, I went back and said it on, on a tweet or anything, but obviously I don't have, you know, hard feelings against the organization. I mean, they, they did what they thought they needed to do. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they did, you know, they did give, you know, give up on me. I think it's, it sounds a little harsh, but they, they fade me. Um, so obviously they were the team that gave me a chance. Um, you know, even though I was a late round draft pick, they gave me a chance and I debuted, debuted with them and, and, you know, I'm forever thankful, but, uh, it did feel good to beat them. I mean, I think anytime, anytime any athlete, you know, gets traded or, or released or, you know, gets a chance to face their former team. Obviously there's a little extra chip on their shoulder and uh, it, it definitely felt good. I mean, I have a lot of friends on that team, um, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy beating them. Was there a um, welcome to the big leagues moment for you, either when you first debuted with Kansas city or, or even after joining the Cubs where you were out there in a certain situation facing a certain hitter, uh, were you able to kind of, step back and go, Oh man, this is, this is, this is nuts. This is, this is just crazy. Or, or does it just feel like second nature? No, I mean, I think, uh, the debut for sure. I actually debuted in 16 with Kansas city, uh, and debuted against the Red Sox. And that was when, uh, David Ortiz was still there. Mookie Betts, Sander Bogarts, that lineup was really, really good. Uh, and I came in in the second game of a doubleheader, uh, uh, so just came up as the, the 20, I guess, 26th man, I guess it was back then. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily a certain hitter, but I just, you know, kind of got on the mound and, and things were speeding up on me. So I kind of had to take a step off, but, uh, yeah, I think that was the moment where I'm like, man, you're here. Like you've done it. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> Good thing uh, I walked on at Tennessee Martin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately that day things never really slowed down for me, kind of got away from me. But, uh, since then I feel like, uh, you know, every time out there, it's still like, man, I'm here, like I'm still doing this. Um, but I'm able to, uh, you know, slow it down and, and really kind of focus up a lot better than that first time. And and what has the 2020 season been like in terms of everything other than actually pitching? Because there, there's there's a lot of stuff that you have to do uh, to stay safe and healthy and get to the ballpark and do your thing. Yeah, you know, I think this year uh, mentally, I think is is big, uh, where it's kind of taxed a lot of guys the the mental aspect. Uh, you know, sometimes it's nice on an off day or a day game to go out and enjoy a nice dinner and you know. It, but you can't do that now. Uh, so it's just, obviously everybody in this country is dealing with the same thing. 
Um, and you know, they're all going through it too. Luckily we, uh, we have the ability to go to work every day and see other people and talk to other people. Obviously, you know, some people don't have that and I'm thankful for that for sure. Um, but it's just a tough time. You know, everybody's going through it, so I don't feel bad for myself. Um, but you know, wearing the mask and, you know, staying away from people and, and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's just a part of it. Um, thankfully we get to do our job every day and, uh, hopefully we can help some people. Uh, maybe if they want to watch a baseball game at night, we'll be there playing. So. Well, we really uh, appreciate the time today. We know uh, it's a busy time and uh, nice job uh, on Tuesday and your last start and uh, continued success, Alec. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, JD. All right. Thanks, Alec. Great stuff from both David Bodie and Alec Mills, and we appreciate them taking time out of their busy schedules this week. All right, J.D., let's uh, dive into our Dixon Baseball Dictionary. And I believe the idea is you give me a letter and I uh, open a random page and we dive in. Well, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you the dictionary this week. The letter, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sesame Street, brought to you by the letter V. Ooh, V. Anything yeah. under V. Oh, there will be. Hang on. All right. We're at uh, T. We're at U. And we are at V. Well, it's not a big section. I got to be <laughs> honest with you. There's probably not much to <laughs> dig into. All right. Here we go. <laughs> you might, you might um, recognize this term. Vapor lock. <laughs> vapor lock. There's, yes. This is a failure to perform on the field due to lack of concentration, a mental error. When infielder Manny Alexander failed to cover second base on an attempted steal and the catcher's throw bounced into center field, Baltimore Orioles manager Davey Johnson said he was given coverages and didn't cover. That's what we call a vapor lock. Have you heard that one before? I have, I, I have heard the term vapor lock. Yes, I have indeed. That is, for, that that, very, for that very thing, just kind of complete mental breakdown out there on the field. Okay, let's uh, – all right, let's try this one here. Vaseline ball, a variation on the illegal spitball that is fueled by the famous petroleum product. So the question is, <laughs> have you ever tried that? I was going to say, is there is there a picture of Gaylord Perry next to the Vaseline ball <laughs> in the dictionary? Uh, have I ever tried? Um, I don't know if I specifically tried Vaseline. I think I told you the story. The, the, the year I was in Minnesota, my last year, really, in the big leagues, uh, and I was just terrible. And I, I, was, I went down to the bullpen one day in between starts, um, you know, with I think I had some kind of lubricant. And I might have had sandpaper. Uh, I might have had a blowtorch and a welder's helmet. I mean, <laughs> I was like, I got to figure something out here. And I played around with it for a while and wasn't having a whole lot of success making the ball do anything that I thought was worthy of, of, of tarnishing my reputation. So I said, no, I'm just going to play it straight and continue to get my brains beat in. But I, I, di I did experiment in the bullpen, but I never used it in a game. All right, we'll come back to V at some point down the road because there are a couple of other good ones, but uh, we will save those for later. Uh, any sort of admission this week? Anything gnawing at you? Um, no, not really. The, the one, I, I do have an issue, and I, I may have done this myself, 
Um, you know, we like to use different sports metaphors and analogies in broadcasting, and some of it plays really well. Some of it I don't like, and I don't I don't want to hear both sides of the ball uh, in, in relation to baseball anymore. That's that's a football term only. So uh, if I say it, uh, go ahead and you know throw some peanuts at me. And uh, I'd just like to ask the entire broadcasting community, the baseball broadcasting community, no more both sides of the ball. Yep, I'm with you on that. Um, that'll be our collective admission. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that either. But I like your your hockey and golf analogies, so keep them coming. Uh, yeah. some, of it, some of it works really well, but that one, I, I, I've never been able to warm to that one. I'm with you. Special thanks to Max Berman, Joe Rios, Matt Romito, Daniel Green, Big Jim Oboykowicz, Shane McGuire, Adam Sobel. For Jim Deshays, I'm Len Casper. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. We will talk to you next week on Open Concessions, presented by Toyota.